It's time for JT the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Bill Foley gets what I do. And Mark Davis gets what I do. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. We're going big today. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. Sound off like you got a pair. I can't get you much more than that. JT the Brick. But let me repeat that again. The Jelly Ellis era of this team is coming to an end. We need guys who are faster, in better shape, who can attack the football. Man, I never envisioned you'd be sitting next to me as that ridiculously obnoxious, aggressive openings play. He gets what I do. Genius! We want you to win. You can help my life by winning and making my life better. We've lost that sense from a pocket of fans. You got that? I think you all get that. And now, I love it. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT on what could be an historic night in Las Vegas. Oh, and I am ready to roll straight off vacation in Maui. Back in time for Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight between the Florida Panthers and our Vegas Golden Knights. T-Mobile Arena, and we got an opportunity in this town for one of the greatest nights of our lives. If you're listening in Vegas outside of the market, welcome to the show. It is a big one. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm just ready to roll. I've had a vision that this would happen. Not year one when the Vegas Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup Final. Ended up losing to the Washington Capitals. But ever since, I've been one of the platforms here in town preaching that this can happen. This will happen. I'm a fan behind the microphone. And tonight's the night. So I would hope everybody would follow me. No one in this town has done anywhere near the amount of pregame shows I've ever done. No one. 25 years coming up with the Raiders. They're pre- and post-game hosts. Count all those games, playoff games, preseason games. I know how to do it. This is a preseason vibe it would have been for football because football hasn't started yet it is the day of the stanley cup final and it is the pregame of the stanley cup final in this town with the show of record so wherever you are wherever you can hear me i'd start dialing now i'd be going big and look i'm not going to jinx the thing it has nothing to do with me but i think we should get up for this i think we should get loud i think we should sound off like we got a pair And everybody who loves hockey, and I know you love hockey. If you don't love hockey, what the hell are you doing? It's an unbelievable sport. It doesn't have to be your favorite sport. It doesn't have to be number one in your life. But today it should be. Today it should be a priority for everybody in the city of Las Vegas, the city that I love, the city that I championed since they welcomed me here. Today and tonight is the night to get behind it. Get out of work. Get out of work now. Get the hell out of work. No one cares if you're at work today. Your bosses want you to get the hell out of work. Get there. Get your jersey on. Get your shirt on. Get your drink on. And get down to the plaza. Or get yourself a spot. If you don't have a ticket, don't worry. This is a community colossal event. You don't need a ticket. If, you got, if you're in the game, congratulations. If you're not, be a part of the party. Don't be the guy who doesn't want to be a part of the party. Be the guy that jumps in the middle of the party, like I do. So get after it. 702-365-9200 with Loaded. Got a bunch of hockey guests. Shane Knighty, part of the broadcast team who's fantastic. He's going to join us coming up here in a little bit in about 10 minutes. We'll talk to him about everything this team needs to do to win this game. Shane O'Brien, who has an unbelievable podcast, who's in town Covering the game, former player, Missing Curfew podcast, one of the best hockey podcasts out there. He's going to join us. Jeff Sherman from over at the Westgate. You got to have a ticket for this game. You got to bet. 
So we'll give you the moving odds of Vegas to win the Stanley Cup tonight. Hey, look, if you don't want to bet them, you don't have to. But I would get a $5 ticket. I'd get a $10 ticket. I'd have a $100 ticket. And I'd frame it in my house. And I'd put it there with my cup collection if they get a chance to win tonight. Brandon Cristal, my good buddy from Denver, will join us after the aftermath of the Nuggets winning the championship last night. How great was that for Jokic and that team? Clearly the best team in basketball all year long. And then we have our final guest who's going to join us from the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. How's that for an opening as we're brought to you by PTs? Quick announcement for PTs. They got a lot brewing. Five to seven is happy hour. There's 64 locations in the Valley. 64. To watch the game tonight, half-price drinks from 5 to 7. If you don't have a ticket, I would find one of those spots. And if they win, they got happy hour from midnight to 2 a.m. I promise you I will be at one of their happy hours from midnight to 2 a.m. with my son, who's 22 years old, coming with me tonight. I promise you I'll do that. So let's get going. Let's, let's believe. Let's say, hey, man, there's a historic moment about to happen. Let's be a part of it. And if they don't win, we'll do it again the next night, and we'll do it again until they win. Fortunately, Vegas has some breathing room, but I think they need to do it tonight. I think Florida, like the Miami Heat, are probably ready to just wrap this thing up in a professional manner, just like the Heat played a really good game, probably outplayed the Nuggets for most of the game last night. And the Nuggets got some breaks and won the game down the stretch. I expect the Panthers to come in and give it one more shot and give it one more shot early. And Vegas has got to put them down. Put them down early in the game and then come into this game and put them down early and then take their will away. And if they're able to do that, uh, then Vegas can close out this game in the third period and the celebration could begin. I learned a long time as I was president of my fraternity, we used to have keg parties. How many kegs are you going to have at the party? We're going to have 20 kegs. Well, how many kegs are you going to have? We're going to have 40 tonight. And the line was, don't count your kegs before they're tapped. What, what that means is don't be over cocky. Don't tell all the sorority girls, oh, we're going to have a 20 kegger tonight. You might only have five. Don't count our kegs before they're tapped. Let's not predict the score saying we're definitely going to win. But if you want to call in and make a prediction, I'm cool with that. But let's be humble. We're excited, but be humble. Haven't won nothing yet, and you know the toughest game in the series is the closeout game. The la- I tweeted this out when I was on vacation. The toughest game of the Stanley Cup final is going to be the closeout game. No doubt about it. We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to play. We, the fans, because we're fans of the team, we're going to have to make sure that this game is the war. This is the game that's going to be the most difficult game and the hardest game because that's the way it is in professional sports. Whenever you get to the closeout game, it's supposed to be the hardest game there. Fortunately, we're not at game six and game seven. We're sitting here at game five at home at the Fortress, which is a really good place to play. A really good place to play with a home ice advantage. So for me tonight, it's not about the Cirque du Soleil show that's going to go on on the ice uh, all due respect to Steve Ioki, who's going to be performing out in the Nellis flyover and all this. The, the importance of the fans tonight will be to be in this game early and be loud and be really loud and try to change the volume in that building, which this place has been pretty good at that all along. So I think with all this happening tonight, we have an opportunity to see history here. The weather's great. There's no rain in the forecast. The whole country's going to be watching. Hockey fans from all over the world, when the game ends, if Vegas is able to hold on and win this game, they'll empty out with the glow of the sunset behind the city. And then the city will throw a party like only Vegas can. 
all due respect to Denver and you know other Calgary, other cities around the world. We do it better when it comes to all of that. So that's what I got to say. Uh, again, my vacation was nice. I learned a long time ago as a radio guy, no one cares about my vacation. We care about your vacation. Had a good time in Maui with the wife and a bunch of friends and boat rides and snorkeling and amazing sunsets and all of that. So good to be back on the Raider front. I'm on top of everything Raider Nation related. I've been telling you it'll all be calm with Jimmy G. What we've seen with OTAs and minicamp, who's around, Max Crosby and all the attention he's getting because of all the great things that he's saying. Uh, Josh Jacobs still doesn't need to be around just yet, just like Saquon Barkley and what's happening with the New York Giants. And overall, I think the Raiders are pretty happy with the way their defense is developing here in the offseason. What they're seeing from their defense, what they got from their defense, and how this defense, if they can get something out of Divine Diablo, which he's getting a lot of, getting a lot of clicks. Every time I read an article, it's about Divine Diablo and the ability for him maybe to be productive with that green dot. Spillane, the other linebacker coming in, Epps, the safety, who can play along with Tyree Wilson coming in off the edge with Chandler Jones and Mad Max Crosby and about four or five defensive tackles trying to figure out who are going to be the two that play mostly in the rotation. You know, maybe this defense can be a little bit better than expected. If not, then the Raiders are going to have their work cut out for them because as much as I think this offense could be a dominant offense this year, the defense is going to have to show up. Patrick Graham doesn't have a 10-year deal here to fix this thing. And they've had an entire offseason to figure out what they're going to do, who they're going to figure out, uh, who's going to play, who's going to play more than others, and what the rotation is going to look like. So we'll get into that. We don't have to get into that heavy today. But if you're a Raider fan on Raider Nation Radio, anything you want to talk about, I'm ready to fly with that at 702-365-9200. And we'll do a segment coming up in Denver with how Nikola Jokic and that team from Denver dominated the postseason as good as any team we've seen in quite some time. I mean, the performance by the Denver Nuggets was historic for Jokic to lead the entire NBA Finals in points, rebounds, and assists, and to do it at such a dominant performance and really play at a level of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, play at a level of Wilt Chamberlain, play at a level better than my favorite center, Patrick Ewing, ever played at, and a lot of other guys who didn't get rings, and even guys who did get rings. If you watched the game last night, uh, Denver was clearly the best team in basketball. I predicted that they get to the finals, but I had them losing to Boston. Uh, they played great, and I don't think they're the birth of a dynasty. I don't think we're about to see the Denver Nuggets win three out of four. Uh, last night, there was a lot of hoopla and a lot of people telling you how great they are long term. They're a good team, and Jokic is unbelievable, but I think there are plenty of other teams in the NBA that can get another star added to a unit and be just as good as the Denver Nuggets. I I don't believe I'm looking at a dynasty like I looked at the Warriors when they had Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Clay, and Steph. I don't see it that way, but a lot of people did last night. So that's a big storyline that we can get to awful also. And then the U.S. Open is in Los Angeles this week. I got a lot of radio shows this week on SiriusXM and on this platform, and we'll gear up for what's going to be a great U.S. Open, hopefully with all that June gloom that we've had in Los Angeles and the weather. It clears up a bit as the best field in golf heads to Los Angeles Country Club. And we got a chance to see the best golfers go out of golf course, which they've really never seen before. The only guy who really knows that golf course extremely well is Max Homa, who is a high, high favorite here 
and we'll get to him coming up with Jeff Sherman if you're going to bet the U.S. Open. But the show has opened up. It's 12 minutes in. I don't have a hockey fan on hold on the day we can win the Stanley Cup. I know I've been blanking and moaning about this, but I'm going to pop my head today if we don't get some hockey fans in here today. So I'll even take a hockey fan from San Jose who's got the balls to pick against this team or a fan from Florida who wants to call in and predict this. But i got to wake up the Golden Knight fans here who are dead every day around noontime, and I'm going to show a record out here trying to get them rolling. So let's get moving. we got the Stanley Cup tonight. Give us a prediction on how it's going to be. If you're going to the game, where are you sitting? If you're not going to the game, how are you going to get there, party? Uh, Give yourself time to get there and get it going. Uh, Get yourself some time to get there and get it going as we open up the show, 702-365-9200. I'm excited to look back on how Vegas was able to get it done in their last game. And if you look at how tough Florida is playing in this series, Florida is a very tough team. There's no doubt about it. They, got, they are dirty. They are nasty dirty. They are cheap shot artists. They will do whatever it takes to win a game. They like to punch. They're like those punks you went to high school with who got into the fights right outside the boys' bathroom, and as everybody was holding everybody, someone would come in and throw a punch. That's who the Florida Panthers are to me. They're dirty, they're nasty, and they're cheap shot artists. But Vegas has been able to score. Let's go to the highlights from the game, game four on Saturday, where Stevenson's been really big in the postseason, doing what he's supposed to do, flying around early in these games and getting Vegas on the board. And it comes to the neutral zone. There is Zach Whitecloud, finds his man down the middle at Stevenson. He scores! Whitecloud to Stevenson. And the Knights take a 1-0 lead less than two minutes into game four. That was huge. you got to stop the opposing crowd, and Stevenson was able to do that. And in a game where Vegas needed multiple goals to win, Stevenson comes right back to get his second of the game. This, game, this was a monster goal that took the crowd out of the game. Backhands it forward, swatted into the zone, down the left wall by Stone. He breaks left circle, looks to the middle of the shot. Stevenson scores! Second of the day for Chandler Stevenson. 2-0 Golden Knights. Once again, Mark Stone, the facilitator for the Golden Knights offense. Uh, you felt right there that that was big, that they were going to put him and bury him in this game. Love the play of William Carlson. Anybody who doubted William Carlson hasn't watched his entire career. How good he is. And a young new father. His baby's on the glass at the home games here. What a great story for Wild Bill, who comes through. This gives Vegas a commanding 3-0 lead. Vegas sends it back in. Barbashev collides with Gudis far corner. Marcia's in as well. To the middle. It's Hayne. A wrist shot. Block. Rebound. Score! William Carlson. 3-0 Golden Knights. William Carlson finds the garbage below the down on the left wing side. Vegas has two goals here in the second period. This is Dan Duva on all these calls here on our sister station, Vegas Golden Knights Radio. Uh, Bobby, who's on these broadcasts, take us to the final call as this game got tight down the stretch here in the final minute of that game when Florida pulled the goalie. Just crossing your fingers that Vegas can call, hold on and win this game, and they did it in impressive fashion. Five seconds to the right. A shot blocked by McNabb. Rebound is loose. Pushed to the corner, and time runs out. The game is over. The Knights survive. Now a big pile in front of the goal. Hill jumps in as well. His helmet is off. Several players tackling each other. The linesman now restrained Hill. Several things are being thrown onto the ice as we speak. 
The Knights have won game four, barely surviving. There was a scrum in the crease in the final seconds. Petrangelo coming onto the ice to join his team to celebrate is then met by multiple Panthers. Matthew Kachuk going after him. The Florida fans are throwing stuff on the ice. They're throwing it at their own, their own players. They're throwing rats on their own players at this juncture. And the game is over. Yeah. The Golden Knights have won it 3-2 and lead the Stanley Cup Final three games to one. Dan Duba and Gary Lawless on the call. It did get chippy at the very end of that game. Shane Knighty was part of the television broadcast team, former great player and an unbelievable broadcaster, kind enough to join us. And Shane, thanks for the time ahead of the game. Uh, let's go back to the call you just heard there and how chippy it was there in the final few minutes of that game. Did Vegas hold on to that game or they just took command of the game and you knew Florida was going to steam to the end of that game and try to get one? I think there's always going to be a push, right? Um, you know, I like, I think the Golden Knights, you know, they did have to hang on eventually when it got to six on four. I thought before that they were in control. They had, you know, various points to extend the lead, uh, both in the second period and in the third. They were in complete control until that kind of bounce goal off a, a couple of defenders, I believe McNabb and uh, Theodore to get forward on the board. And that kind of gave them life. That was in the second that uh, kind of carried to the third, but, uh, what I like, Vegas didn't just sit back and wait for it. They they still created some chances, and then yeah, get a little tense there at the end of the game, but uh, able to hold it off and uh, set themselves up for a great opportunity tonight. Shane, you've been in a lot of scrums in your life, and never uh, to back away from a fight. You've been in them. What has the discipline been like for the Golden Knights here, knowing that Florida, especially early in the series, was completely undisciplined? Then they wanted to get more disciplined to get back into the series. They seem to play a little bit more under control until the final seconds of that last game. What do you expect tonight? Right. You got, you've got to be controlled, right? And, uh, you know, that's just a – listen, that's a scrum nowadays. That would have been a, a little handshake back in the day. <laughs> there was not much there. Right. Um, it, it really is. It's just – it's emotions, and I think the Golden Knights have done a good job of controlling themselves. That's – that's the game that Florida wants to drag them into, and they've done a good job of staying away from it, and then at times stick up for themselves. So that has to continue. I don't think anything changes from, if you're the Golden Knights, from their perspective on how they want to play, how they want to execute their game plan, uh, whether you're talking puck management, forecheck, defend the right way, disciplines right up there at the top of the list for them when they're trying to check those boxes to, to bring out the best of their game. Um, you know, tonight I think the challenge is early on, right? Uh, the, mm -hmm. There's going to be some emotion. There's some anxious energy, which there should be. But uh, you've got to be able to handle that the right way. You've got to utilize this crowd and, and try and come out, have a good start, regardless of who scores first, because that really hasn't you know, been a factor for Vegas. I think more importantly is them just getting to their game as quick as possible. And then, uh, you know, uh, the feel they're the better team, and when they play their best game, there's a real good chance they can be successful. Shane Nadia is our guest. Shane, what's the big adjustment that Florida hasn't been able to make at center ice? Because Vegas is flowing through the center ice. They're skating a lot easier in this series than I expected compared to how clogged up it was in former series. What has Florida tried to do that they haven't been able to do because Cassidy and the offense has done a great job in their adjustments of picking up speed coming through the neutral ice? I think it starts with breakouts. I think Florida, because we heard coming in, you know, they're an aggressive forecheck. I think early in this series in particular, 
they were trying to be almost over physical. You run if you run out looking for a hit or run a position, that allows for an easy breakout. That allows to create odd man rushes. Um, Florida's, you know, if you can break out versus, you know, a hard pinch on the wall without support, make clean plays, win a board battle, that creates odd man rushes. So I think Vegas has been able to take advantage of Florida when they they play an aggressive style. They're, 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 they're going to try and hunt the puck down. They're going to play hard down the wall. Uh, they're going to come, you know, two guys deep. So the best way to alleviate pressure is quick, clear puck movement, breakouts, zone exits, and then that allows you to have speed through the neutral zone. So when they're able to do that, that's when they, they get a lot of that ice through the middle. Uh, Shane, the Knights on defense, especially blocking pucks, as a local broadcaster with this team who also does national games, can you take our listeners behind the scenes on how many pucks they block and how difficult that is to do? It's easy to maybe try to get a stick in front of a puck when you're getting a skate and a boot in front or you're taking it on the thigh or you know Eichel gets hit in the face by his own teammate. What is the, what is the philosophy of a team when they prepare knowing that they're going to do that ahead of a game? Because I don't know of a team that does it much better than the Golden Knights. No, there's been teams and a lot of teams that do it. And I think, you know, part of that is the way they defend. They like to take away the middle of the ice. So, um, you know, they're deep play close to the net to block. Uh, and then, you know, the result of that, the way they play, is you see kind of a fluke goal the other night, which has happened, some bad bounces. But then the number one thing is buy-in, right? You, you've got to have a willingness to sacrifice your body to, to dive down in front of a 90-mile-an-hour shot. 80 miles, whatever you want to say, of a hard puck that hurts. It does, even if it hits the equipment. Um, so I think it's an overall buy-in. It's an overall willingness of the team. And, you know, kind of goes with the slogan, hurts to win. And I think, you know, they're the team that led the league all year in block shots. They had a commitment to the way they wanted to play. Uh, a buy-in from, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times you see guys that are going to block shots and they have their top guys that will do it. But I think, <clears throat> excuse me, with Vegas, it's up and down the lineup. Jack Eichel, you mentioned his name. He'll step in front of it. Um, some guys are better at it than others. Alec Martinez, who led the league, he, ha- he has a real knack for, you know, being in the lane, not overcommitting. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing is you've got to be in position <clears throat> to, to make those blocks and, and, and have layers of defense. So the number one thing is will. Then there's that, uh, you know, buy-in, sacrifice, uh, commitment to the style of play they want to do. And uh hurts to win. And they've been able to – to say, okay, we're, we're willing to, to get in front of these shots, do what it takes, play the right way if there's success at the end of it. Wrapping it up with Shane Knighty, kind enough to give us time ahead of the game tonight. I'll be down there with him. Uh, the crowd should be electric. A couple more individual players I wanted to ask you about. With Marceau not being protected by Florida, I can't imagine what his focus is. I know his goal is to win the cup like all of his teammates, but the extra edge that he has here, you mentioned Eichel. But let's touch on Marceau and how great he's been with 24 points and 13 goals. And what's at stake for him tonight or throughout the rest of the series with the Con Smythe on the line? I think it's just that that's Jonathan Marceau. That edge has been with him his, his whole career trying to prove himself. And the thing that I think allows him to continue to grow his game is he doesn't release it, even though he's been a 30-goal scorer a couple of times, even though you know he leads uh, the Golden Knights all-time in goals, points, assists, He's still driven, and he's driven I think, more than as much as anyone to win the Stanley Cup. And certainly there's, I think, added motivation that it's against the Florida Panthers, the team that let him go after he had his first 30-goal season. But the thing about him is you've just seen him when you think back to some of the Golden Knights 
you know, big wins, who had goals or who changed the game, the momentum. He's, he, he finds ways to be a big player in big moments. And uh, certainly we've seen that all through playoffs uh, with Jonathan Marsh. So, uh, you know, a guy that hurt his whole life, he's too small, he's too this, he's too that, but he just continues to go out and prove people wrong. And I think that's something that drives him. And, you know, if, to get to this level, to do what he's done at such an elite level, scoring goals and big goals, um, I'd expect him to be another factor tonight. I really do. I think he's uh, he's matured from year one when he came in to now. You know, he's always that scrappy guy. He's not afraid to chirp on the ice, but now a real leader in that locker room, an older player on the team that uh, understands, hey, this is their moment. It's time to rise to the occasion, and I think he has. Shane, last one. I would never ask you a, posi- uh, a, a prediction. You're a former player, but – from a fan's perspective, because you interact with a lot of fans, I see at games you're talking to fans, and that's really what makes you even more special as a broadcaster. What should the fans in this young hockey city understand about what's in front of them tonight? There could be a game seven, a game six, but sitting there with an opportunity to clinch the cup, game five in a city like Las Vegas, what should be the mindset of these fans as they're making plans to come down tonight to Toshiba Plaza? It just—it's almost to say special isn't a big enough word. I—I <laughs> I, I don't know what the word is, but it's—you uh, know—it's these these moments do come, but you never know when. And you can ask Toronto fans. You can ask uh, you can ask some of these organizations. The, the Rangers, you know, when was their last one? Ninety-four, and then yep. before that, it was ever the Bruins. It was forty-two years before twenty eleven. Uh, when they won, it, you know, these moments don't come. The opportunity to win the Stanley, this is a special, special opportunity, not only for the Golden Ice, but for the city of, city of Las Vegas, uh, who this team is bonded with right since it came into existence. Uh, Vegas born, and now here a chance tonight. Stanley Cup will be in the building, and I think the boys uh, recognize this moment, as should all the fans as uh, I, I'm very excited to get down there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these are the moments you, you live for as a player and as a sportsman. See you tonight, Shane. Thanks so much for Thanks, a few Steve. minutes. I appreciate you. No problem, but take care. You got it. Shane Knighty, giving us about 10 minutes or so or even more on the night of the Stanley Cup. And I wish the energy of the show was more like him. I wish the energy of the show was more like that. I got the energy. I don't have the island of Maui energy. You know, it's, I'm not on Maui time. I'm on VGK time. I'm on Raider time. I'm on Nuggets championship time. You don't got to worry about winding me up and wondering if I'm ready to go. I'd like the show to get going. I'd like the energy to be here. I've been uh, talking for about two months trying to get this show a little bit more hockey-centric with some hockey fans nationally that know the game, can preach what this means, and, and I hope you surprise me in the last hour and a half of the show. I'm really worked up. I'm back here. I lucked out that it didn't end in four. I would have missed it. I'm back here in time, got in last night, and I'm ready to roll. 702-365-9200. Thanks again to Shane Knighty for joining us. We move Shane O'Brien to 145. He's doing a show for NHL Radio, so that opens up a segment now before we have Jeff Sherman at 1245. So you can get in right now if you want to. Get, make your prediction of the game, where you're going to the game, how you're getting down there. Uh, do you have a ticket or not? Uh, maybe if you're trying to get a ticket. That's a good uh, portion of a sports talk radio show. Who the hell? Who, how are you going to get a ticket to this game tonight? Is anybody looking on the secondary market? Anybody looking for an extra ticket? You know, happy wife, happy life. Wife's working today, but I'm like, if I hear a one, 
This isn't a Grateful Dead concert. I need a miracle. And you're walking around outside. I need a miracle in a tie-dye shirt and someone gives you a ticket. <laughs> Not for a clinching Stanley Cup final game. You either got a ticket or you don't. If you do got a ticket, if you're planning on going to the game, let's get going. Let's get going. Because I think this is one of those nights, if you're not a part of it, and you could have been a part of it, either being down there, being in the sports bar, coming out afterwards if they win, if you're not a part of it, you're going to regret it. Take it from me. I've been to championship nights. I've been to finals. I've been to parades. Just go all in. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Get an Uber. Don't park your car. Get down there. Don't look at your watch and enjoy what could be one of the greatest nights of your life. Because this could be here for Vegas. Because it, it just doesn't come around. This just doesn't happen to a team that's been around for six seasons. You don't know if it's going to take another 30 or 20 for it to happen again. We've been very spoiled in this town. And as you know, Shane Knighty just said, look at the Rangers. They had a wait and then 94 came around. And they haven't won since. Since 94. Toronto since the 60s. Since the 60s for the great city of Toronto, where the Hockey Hall of Fame is, and some of the other towns that have never won a cup. We haven't won a cup yet in Vegas either. But it just feels good going into tonight without jinxing it. 702-365-9200 if you want to come through. I'm hoping more Raider fans, especially in Vegas, became Golden Knight fans. I don't expect to get a lot of calls from Oakland today in San Jose rooting for the Golden Knights. But sure as hell, I hope that there's some Las Vegas Raider fans who are Golden Knight fans, and they want to kind of, you know, cross this over and help out the team. JT, good to be back. Got a big show lined up on the eve of what could be the Stanley Cup in Vegas. When we get back on the ice... uh... Monday, you know, it's time to get back to work and back to business. And our, our group's been very good at that, Nick, very good. Uh, they understand what's at stake. That's Bruce Cassidy, who has a chance to win the Cup after getting fired from Boston from taking him to the Cup and not winning, which to me is such a big story that is a part of this whole Stanley Cup. It's mind-blowing. Imagine taking a team to the Super Bowl, losing the Super Bowl, getting fired, and then the following year you take, the team to the Super Bowl and win. I mean, it's mind-blowing for any sports fan to try to put their head around this on how he was treated that way from Boston and how all these hockey coaches, the Rangers hired a, a new coach today who was fired five other times. You know, the, these coaches get fired all the time. And Cassidy is on the verge of the Cup after Boston was the best team in hockey. JT, back with you as we're brought to you by Resorts World. Can you imagine the party Resorts World can help throw if the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, the newest resorts property, the best nightclub here on the Strip. Resorts World, Scott Sabella and his vision to bring sports to Vegas with Doghouse Saloon. 702-365-9200. We're still waiting on our first hockey call, which is mind-blowing to me. I should have done the show from Maui today. We got Jeff Sherman coming up in 15 minutes. If you're going to the game tonight, if you're looking for a ticket, if you got any vibe on this game tonight, help me wake up the city because it feels like it's in a slumber. 702-365-9200. I wanted to get to and plan in this segment to get to what happened in the NBA Finals last night. There are a lot of people today that still can't figure out what Nikola Jokic and Denver, where they stand historically in this sport after what they did last night. We live now in an era where we want to compare eras and teams, and I'm comfortable with that. 
I have no problem with that. If you want to sit here and go out and compare Will Chamberlain to Jokic, I'm equipped to do that. That is not difficult for me to do. If you want to compare this team, uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who I work with on Mad Dog Sports Radio, the channel's named after him, he's got a viral video today because he thought and he said that the 86 Celtics, the 86 Celtics with Bill Walton, Bird, McHale, Parrish, you know, one of the greatest teams ever assembled, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, would have swept Denver in four. I kind of agree with him. I don't think this Denver team is anywhere near a Mount Rushmore team. I don't think it's one of the greatest teams of all time. I don't think you think so either. But if you look at the stats and numbers and dip the show in reality, which is one of the things I do, they could have beat any team all time. I tweeted out last night after Jokic won, I would love to go back in the hot tub dime machine and see Nikola Jokic right now play Shaq in his prime. Well, who would, who would be the better player? I think Shaq would have been. I think Shaq would have been more dominant and Jokic wouldn't have been able to get the ball because he has better moves than Shaq. Shaq couldn't shoot free throws and Shaq couldn't shoot, right? So that's important. Jokic could do that. But there'd be no way that Jokic could make the moves on Shaq, the drop step, the fadeaway. Shaq would block that shot every time. If he tried to put his butt into Shaq and try to move Shaq in the paint, Shaq would have never moved. So you would have took, taken away how much of Jokic's game? At least 50% of it. 50% of Joker's game is in the paint, three or four feet from the basket, where he makes a move, which looks a little bit slow, but he makes the shot. Shaq would have swatted that right back in his face. But could Jokic have hung with Shaq? Yeah. What happens if uh, Shaq gets the ball on the low block? I'm not talking about the free throw line. I'm talking about the low block. And Jokic is behind him. Shaq would have dunked right over his head. I mean, Jokic might have blocked one or, you know, altered a shot, but Shaq would have ate him up and spit him out. And do you know who Shaq had on that team? A gentleman by the name of Kobe Bryant. Compared to Jamal Murray, give me a break. You know how much better of a player Kobe Bryant was than Jamal Murray? Not even close. So every, last night, everybody's trying to put this in perspective. How do you compare, you know, Denver to the all-time teams? Well, my point is, come on. Denver was very good, and Denver beat a lot of good teams here, but you can't put them on the all-time greatest teams yet. Now, Jokic should have won his third MVP. I thought he was better than Joel Embiid. But the league didn't want to vote for him three times in a row because he never won a ring. What would have happened if Jokic won his third MVP and he didn't have a ring to show for it? Then the league would be a little bit embarrassed. They'd say, our best player can't win a championship. Well, he was able to win a championship. So wherever you think Jokic is, and I have him behind Wilt, I have him behind Kareem, I have him behind Shaq, I have him behind Duncan. Duncan wasn't a five, but he played the five, and he played the four. I have him behind Tim Duncan. But then after that, I have Jokic better than Parrish and Kevin McHale. I have him better than Patrick Ewing, and Ewing was great. I don't have him as good as Elijah Wan, but that's where the debate, I think, begins. And, and let that sink in for a second if you're a basketball fan. Let me give you that for today to chomp on. Where would you put Elijah Wan all-time with Jokic? Jokic has got four more, five more years in his prime. Hakeem Elijah Wan won two championships. Jokic already has one. He might win another one. I think that's the similarity. Hakeem had the dream drop step. Jokic has every other move out there. Those are the two guys to get going with. But the rest of Denver, the rest of Denver, as I look at them, I don't look at them saying this is an all-time great team. 
as we go back to the highlights from last night of Murray coming off the ACL and the injury and everything he was able to do. He got to 100% healthy and last night knocked down this huge corner three. Takes a three. Missed it. Rebound down to Porter. Porter quickly up the floor. He's going to go right to the rack. Kick out three, Murray. Yes, finally! Tie ball game at 60. Timeout, Spolstra. Yeah, that was a guy you got to stop Murray, and they weren't able to do that. Michael Porter Jr., who I got a chance to see him play in high school, because I look at my son's age, they were following Michael Porter Jr. when he was in high school and supposed to be the next great phenom. We saw him play at Bishop Gorman. We saw him play in Vegas in local tournaments. Now Porter is an NBA champ. Here's the pull-up three. Jumpers way off the mark. Rebound down to Michael Porter Jr. again. Michael has it. Takes a three. Yes! Happened a lot, but Denver knocks down a three-pointer to take a three-point lead. Uh, that was a huge shot there because he wasn't playing great and he needed a little bit of help and he was able to get it there. Uh, he was frustrated throughout the series and he was frustrated in that game. But what a great teammate he was. And then we go to Jokic again down the stretch in the fourth quarter, his time as he took over the game. A bucket here. This place is going to explode again. KCP has it on the high left side. Throws it off over to Joker. Floater. Yes! Yeah, that was a great shot by him. Joker keeps getting it done and Jimmy Butler turned it over late. Awful turnover, and then he took a terrible three, a contested three, with time on the clock. I thought Jimmy Butler couldn't handle the pressure late in that game last night, especially with under a minute to go. And Denver finds a way to close it out to win their first championship in 47 years. Eight seconds left to go. Casey's across the timeline, and he'll dribble it out. The 47-year wait is over. The Denver Nuggets stand on top of the NBA world. They are champions. And Nuggets fans from sea to shining sea can rest or die in peace. That's Nuggets Radio on the call. I just want to play one soundbite before we get to our next guest. Mike Malone afterwards, this trophy presentation was outstanding. This coach was a master motivator, a very good coach. A lot of people didn't know him for the last couple of years, but when they showed him in the locker room and in timeouts, you could see that he was a master motivator developing this team through the draft. This was his shining moment. Coach Malone, you've been around basketball your entire life. A huge shout out to Nuggets Nation. We love you guys. We love you guys. Best fans in the world. All the hard work, all the sacrifice, all the dedication, all culminated with us winning a championship. But I got news for everybody out there. We're not satisfied with one. We want more. We want more. Coach, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you about Nicole as well, because I know he's not going to talk about himself. But his historic performance in these playoffs, just you talk about him. What does it say about your superstar? Well, Nikola Jokic is a great person. He's a great husband, father, and son, and brother. And on the basketball court, he's proven time and time again that he's the best player in the NBA. He's our MVP. We love him, and we're thankful that he's wearing a Nuggets uniform. Thank you, Coach. Congratulations. Yeah, that was ABC on the call. There's no such thing as Nugget Nation. There's only one nation, the Raider Nation.
this one. It's a general ripoff there, but I had to play that soundbite because the coach deserves it. For what a great, uh, great job he did. Jeff Sherman's going to join us coming up next over at the Westgate. Uh, he knows how to bet this game tonight. He'll give you the odds plus the U.S. Open, how to bet golf. That's his expertise. And what was the liability for Vegas on Denver winning? They were a heavy favorite and they won. Were there any big nugget tickets out there earlier in the season? If you're a gambler, you never want to miss Jeff Sherman, one of the sharpest guys in sports gambling. He'll join us next. Brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. There's no regrets on our end. You know, there's just some times where you get beat. And Denver was the better basketball team in this series. All right, JT, back with you as we continue on. I just love the hockey talk today, NBA recap of last night, and everything that's happening coming up for the U.S. Open. I've been to eight or nine U.S. Opens. Jeff Sherman joins us. Uh, Senior Vice President of Risk Management over at the Westgate. We'll get to golf in a second, Jeff. Jeff, let's go back to Denver last night and the series price, their early price when the season began, the liability, and how many fans nationally figured out that Denver was the play earlier in the season or even when the playoffs began? Uh, Not too many. Uh, They have not been too popular over the last few years. They've always been a solid position for the books. Uh, They got as high as 20-1 to uh, this season. Uh, about halfway through the season. They just weren't attracting too much interest. Um, but towards the end, when people saw what they were doing in the playoffs, especially when they beat the Lakers, that's when people really got involved with them uh, before the Heat series. But they were a really solid result for most of the books. Yeah, I, I would assume they would be. And does that have to do with the 46-year drought for them that you know maybe if they had one or two titles, there would have been a little bit more money on them from gamblers who just thought, hey, I saw this once before in my lifetime. It looks familiar to me. And it didn't seem like a lot of fans, at least on radio with me, I picked them to go to the NBA Finals before the start of the season. I never felt that momentum other than some pockets there in Colorado. Well, that does have something to do with it. Once you've done it before, then people will get involved with them. So they are the favorite for next year, 5-1. to one. We've already seen money. We expect to see money on them next year since now they've gotten over that hump. Uh, but the, just as far as a national exposure with this team, Outside of Jokic, not a lot of people know the role players on this team. Mm-hmm. They just aren't in the mainstream media, so they don't garner a lot of attention. They're not always up on ESPN, even though they were the one seed in the West. So that just doesn't drive people to the betting window as much as watching the Lakers that are just uh, over and over again. Yeah, I saw you posted the numbers for next season. You just put that out 16 hours ago. Denver 5-1, to one, Boston 6-1. to one. Milwaukee fifteen to two, and then there there they are again. The Lakers at ten to one. It's just incredible that you know it looks like the Lakers are going to have to make a move in the West just to even be competitive with Denver. And I guess a lot of sharps believe they're going to do it. They'll make a move for Kyrie Irving or someone else so they can try to even the field here. I even see you have the Lakers uh, with shorter odds than the Golden State Warriors, who I think are the better team. Yeah, well, part of that has to do with the Lakers coming off beating the Warriors and Mm -hmm. the Warriors looking like their championship window might be closing a bit because Draymond Green has a player option. He could be on the move. And the Lakers definitely do need to make some adjustments, some moves. Uh, But there's going to be a lot to play out over the summer. Uh, Damian Lillard's going to be in the noise a lot. Uh, There's going to be so many things into play. Like you mentioned, Kyrie Irving. It'll be interesting to see where he might go if he goes back to Dallas. But Uh, all summer you're going to be hearing it on a daily basis about possible player movement and fluctuations in these odds. Jeff Sherman, Senior Vice President over at the Westgate. 
when it comes to risk management. All right, Jeff, I know there's liability because the Golden Knights are a Vegas team and they're a good team, and you knew that ahead of time. But how have the numbers changed, the odds for the Golden Knights going forward, and what's the number heading into the game tonight? Well, we opened at minus 145 right after the last game, game four in Florida, uh, when they held them off and won three to two. Uh, and now it's been driven all the way up to minus $2 on the night, so over a 50-cent move. Uh, the public in Nevada just can't get enough of them. Large wagers, small wagers, one-way traffic on the nights, driving them all the way up to $2, where it's plus 175 right now on Florida. So a lot of people hopeful that they can uh, finish this off. What about the puck line coming into this game tonight, which could be a real conservative game, heavy defense, could be a 2-1, 3-2 game, or going uh, over that number. What do you think that number is going to go off at as the puck drops? Yeah, the total's at 5.5 over 35 right now. We've seen mostly over money on that. And the puck line with the Knights minus 1.5 is plus 140 right now. So a lot of people choosing that option with the plus money rather than having to lay the $2. Uh, Jeff, let's move over to golf. You're unbelievable at it here coming off the Canadian Open. That was fun to see. I was in Maui watching it and with the time advantage, which was pretty incredible. And when that putt went in from 72 feet, what was the handle like going into that? It's the Canadian Open. Everybody's waiting for the U.S. Open. But that was one of the greatest golf finishes, especially the greatest golf finish in the history of Canada. Uh, it was a phenomenal. What a way. And four playoff holes. And to have uh, the local Canadian, Nick Taylor, come through with that. So uh, we had tremendous handle on it. We were in good position on both of those golfers. They didn't command too much interest. Nick Taylor went off at 60-1, to 1, so he cashed some nice tickets there. But um, now it'll be interesting to see uh, how he can do and follow up with a u.s open victory you know he's sitting at uh 250 to one this week all right so you updated the u.s open several times since i've been talking to you here and let's go with the favorites here give me the top three or four favorites here and what you're sensing is going to happen here as we come into thursday let's start with scotty scheffler yeah these things are constantly fluid and right now we just lowered scheffler from uh six and a half to one down to six to one so he's a six to one favorite the only golfer in single digits at this time Rom is 10-1, to 1, Kepka 12, Rory 14. And right now, Shuffler is even seeing a lot of support from the sharp players in his props and his matchups. So he is the clear-cut favorite right now. Now, I know what you told me about uh, Max Homa, especially that he's won there. He shot the low round there. This seems to be an amazing home course advantage for him. But I haven't heard his name much after since the start of the year here. So what are some of the difficulties if you're a gambler and wanting to bet him, knowing he has an advantage at that course, but he hasn't been playing in an elite level the last couple of weeks? Well, that's exactly right. And he is number one in ticket count, number one in money wager. And a lot of that has been from accumulation over the last few months with the rhetoric about him holding the course record 61 here. Uh, but this week, it hasn't been the same. His odds have drifted out. He was as low as 12-1 to 1 at one point. Now he's back out to 25-1, to 1, and he's the one golfer that the Sharps are targeting against in matchups and props. Okay, we're wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman. A couple more I want to throw at you. Dustin Johnson, who plays in Los Angeles, makes his home there. Don't know his familiarity with the course. And Justin Thomas who I believe at times should be a good U.S. Open player because of his ability to scramble like Jordan Spieth, but he gets in trouble a lot off the, off the tee, and sometimes he hits it into the heavy rough. Give me those two guys. Let's start with, or three, I'm asking Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson, and uh, Justin Thomas. Well, Spieth, his odds have been lowering. Now, he's okay. seen a lot of sharp support. He's down to 20-1, to 1, and he should fit this course fine. Dustin Johnson, he's actually up to a high 40-1 to 1 now, not seeing too much interest this week. Justin Thomas is the one that's in really poor form. He just hasn't done what we mm -hmm. expect out of Justin Thomas. He's reached all the way up to 50-1, to 1, which we haven't seen on a number on Justin Thomas like that in years. 
All right, my friend. Uh, I don't know if you're going to the game tonight, but I often see you tweet uh, photos of your young, beautiful daughter at the games there with Chance. How excited are you tonight, not only at the Superbook, but what could happen to this town if the Cup comes home and Vegas wins it? Oh, it's going to be crazy. I mean, we're anticipating just a good time, and uh, you know, the energy in this town is off the hook right now. So, I mean, whether you're going to the game or going to go out to a bar and watch it, it's just going to be a great time. Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to be packed at the Superbook. You guys put on a great show. Thanks for doing this, Jeff. Talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. So he tells you about all well, this $2 favorite now for Vegas to win this game. I'm sure there's going to be some sharp money coming in on Florida just because the numbers are so overwhelming. I talked to a buddy of mine today who reminded us last year that it was a similar series, 3-1, to one, and if you look at Colorado, they couldn't close at home. And Remember, they had to go out and do it on the road. I'm hoping Vegas wins tonight. I think it's going to be electric over at the Fortress. I think they're going to play great hockey. They've been playing great hockey. I think they're the far superior team. And they understand the magnitude of not getting on an airplane and flying back to Sunrise, Florida. I like Vegas tonight, but there's some good value there on the Panthers. One hour down, one to go before I head on out to Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final.